Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Here's your host, founder of America's largest business coaching company, Brian Buffini. Well, top of the morning to you and welcome to It's a Good Life. We have a special guest for you today. His name is David Harsager and David is the CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute and a best-selling author. I'm holding his latest book here, The Trusted Leaders, Eight Pillars That Drive Results. Dave and his team make it their mission to develop trusted leaders and organizations. And so today we'll talk about his eight-pillar framework, which is fantastic. And we're going to break it down into tangible steps so that you can take and, and learn how to not only lead yourself, but lead your business, lead your customers, lead your family as well. And so uh, to talk about this new work and this content, all the way from Minneapolis, Minnesota, ladies and gentlemen, here's David Horsager. Top of the morning to you, David. Top of the morning. Thank you so much. Great to be with you. Yeah, looking forward to it. Well, we're going to dive straight in. Uh, I know you have so much on this. You do events and speaking and you could go all day. But uh, the eight pillar framework on building trust, give us the kind of the overview. What's a great definition of it? And ultimately, why is trust ultimately so important in business? I think that's where we got to start. You know, a couple decades ago when I started my grad work, you know, no one was talking about trust. No one. I mean, there wasn't research. There wasn't uh, in in the business world. There was a little bit in, you know, psychology and that kind of thing. But basically, uh, no one was looking at now in the last five years, everybody's talking about trust with and mostly without research. But basically, uh, fundamentally, my finding, I I think that became important to people much you know, more important than me at the time. Now we use this work on everything from, you know, corruption issues in East Africa to pro sports teams to, you know, the biggest companies in the world, Procter and Gamble, Walmart, uh, Toyota, you know, whatever. Right now we're, we're training, uh, about there'll be almost 10,000 people trained on Navy ships for the U S Navy. Um, and they're seeing, seeing, uh, transformation on deck, but, Back then, the big tie was showing how a lack of trust is the biggest expense of a company. And I believe this in my heart today more than ever from the research, from everything I see, and, and from how it changed my own life. People think it's they're solving the wrong issue. So the people say, well, that's a leadership issue. It's never a leadership issue. The reason you follow a leader, not is trust. It's a sales issue. Never a sales issue. The reason people buy is trust. It's it, The only way to amplify a marketing message is increase trust in the message. The only way to get more innovation out of your team is increase trust in the team. Then they'll share ideas. Otherwise, they won't. Diversity, equity, inclusion. The biggest Harvard study shows diversity on its own of almost any type puts people against each other in some way unless you increase trust and then you can get enormous benefits out of diversity, equity, inclusion. So you, you, we have to, learning in a classroom only goes up. In your kid's classroom, there's only one way learning goes up and that's increasing trust in the content, the teacher, or the psychological safety or trust of the room. So the big finding originally, the first half of the research was this show of trust is not a soft skill. A lack, a lack of trust is your biggest expense. And you have to think, think differently about trust. In fact, our big event this year, the Trusted Leader Summit, the theme is it's time to solve with trust because everybody's tried everything else. It's time to do this, time to do that. It's, if you don't solve with trust, you're not solving the real, the real problem. And trust is always the root cause. So in my original research, when we saw trust go up, that's when we saw attrition drop, engagement go up, retention go up. You, in fact, engagement doesn't, you know, is nothing unless you increase trust. So, um, so that was the, that's the first half. And the definition, the original definition, at least in the research, was trust is a confident belief in a person, product, or an organization. When I can confidently believe in you, everything changes. Of course, you can be trusted for good or bad. You can be trusted to be late all the time if that's what you are, you know. 
Lou Holtz used to say, what I'm looking for in a player is consistency. If you're bad, I want you to be consistently bad because yeah. I just want to know what I can count on. <laughs> Absolutely. I've been on stage with him many times. Funny, funny thing is player came up to him and said, you know, hey, I coach, I just I can I can hit it through the uprights. I can kick it through the uprights every time when you're not looking. And he's like, I plan to be at every game, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. I just can't do it when you're looking. <laughs> yeah. You know, trust is a huge deal. You know, it's interesting, right? It takes a long time to become an overnight success. But in our society today, in our culture today, you talked about diversity, equity, inclusion. You talk about race issues. You talk about the political issues. You talk about the stuff that is just so divisive culturally. And that cultural stuff then shows up in our work. It, obviously, the, the social media, the marketing, it shows up everywhere. And it just seems like overall, you know, I'd say the two things we're missing in culture today is trust and respect. Yeah. And those two kind of go hand in hand, don't they? They go hand in hand. And, you you, you know, I, of course, I think trust is higher than everything. I think, I think the question everybody's asking about you and me and everyone is not, do I like you? You know, salespeople think, oh, it's all about being like, nah, I got friends I like a whole lot. I wouldn't go into business with them in a million years. The question everybody's asking is, can I trust you? And of course, being trustworthy leads to respect. That's what happens. Um, one other mention here on the open is, is just a, that whole definition thing of people getting a view of what trust really is and how complex it is. Because there's, 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 uh, experts today with mostly, like I said, without research, just saying things like there's a guy today who, who calls himself a trust expert and says, well, trust, that's transparency. Of course, we do research, a big study every year and transparency can build trust, but transparency isn't on its own trust. Some of your kids are so transparent on social media, I don't trust them for a second, right? So uh, <laughs> confidentiality is also trusted. So we have to think about it is like you said, it is big, it is weighty, It's and yet it is the core. It, it is... Everything of value from the greatest financial institutions to every good relationship you have is built on one thing, and that's trust. Well, I'm going to circle back to, you know, you've done some cool characters in your book, and I always enjoy those type of dynamics. Your CEO, Ethan, in your book, I'm going to circle back to him and his big dilemma. But let's dive into these eight pillars. And one of the dynamics you are big on in your work is to ask the question, how? So I'm going to ask you a lot of how questions today. I'm going to use your own content with you, if you know what I mean. Great. So let's kind of dive into these eight pillars. I have them in front of me here, and it's clarity, compassion, character, competency, commitment, connection, contribution, and consistency. You sound like a Baptist minister with all those great C's. Let me, let, <laughs> let me give some clarity right there before I get ribbed apart, because the last thing I want is people to think, oh, this is some cheesy motivational speaker yep. that had to make all C's or, or something. These C's, they are, they are C's for clarity, but they actually all represent a very important research funnel and they, they represent it well. And I'll, I'll give example, the one that's a little bit unclear. I'll tell you, uh, I give understanding to number seven, but basically all eight of these are what built trust that was confidently believed in. And that's when you gain this thing I called in the first book. The trust edge, this the greatest competitive advantage of all time. So um, these eight are very important. I could give you a, a quick overview. Of course, you know I can talk about each of these for uh, three days. But yeah, let's start with clarity. Why is clarity such a big deal? Well, you know they're all important. In fact, the interesting thing in these is they're they're um, they're relatively co-equal from the research. You you needed all eight, so we had to start somewhere. Turns out clarity, you can do something about and see results in two weeks. Character, commitment, those might take a little longer. Um, and yet some are weighted heavier or lighter 
once in a while based on like I might want my babysitter for my kids to be very high on character. And yet if they're a little unclear or something, it's not such a big deal. I want my uh, surgeon to be totally competent and my, uh, you know, pilot. But if they're something, you know, but really to gain the trust, we're talking about all eight in business, in sales and leadership. So clarity, people trust the clear and they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous or the overly complex. And when I go into companies, I say, I'm telling you, branding experts today, marketing experts, they are not clear at the level I'm talking about. So each of these, as you know, we have a load of tools and tips, the ODC method, the how, how, how method, the MVP method, all these ways to get clear. And they're very important, um, you know, but we can, we can go wherever you want to go. But the biggest thing there is to think we got to get clear. Clarity wins today. And most people are not clear. Even where I was, where I was a professor, you know, it's like, oh, we look complex, got to look smart. And whenever you over complexify something beyond what is needed, you lose clarity, which always loses trust. So I'm, I'm more of a gut feel, right? I'm the Irish immigrant house painter son who built the coaching. So I came at it from a different space. We kind of ended up in a similar place, you from academia and research, and then, hey, here's how we can affect organizations and then leadership. But to me, my gut on the subject of clarity is I think when you lose sight of your audience and you lose sight of your objectives and your mission, I think that's when things become unclear. I think things become unclear when you're focused on yourself. Now, here's an example in my organization. I have 14 departments in my organization and we'll have an event and someone will say, hey, can we say this? And by the way, our registration process is this. Can we say this? And we need this over here and we need this over here. And the next thing, I have 14 departments asking me to make a message that has nothing to do actually with the well-being of our client. It has to do with, hey, this would make it easier for us or might make it simpler for the client or whatever. And the next thing you know, I have this monolithic statement that is, I'm confused. I have no freaking idea. I go, hang on a second. What is it they need to hear? And what is it we're trying to drive them towards? And that's, that's what I'm always trying to bring. And clarity is one of my stronger pieces, but it comes from that gut place. From the non-gut place, how would you help somebody get to clarity? Well, I think what you said is really important. Like people can just in, in, in a simple form without a bunch of research, you can see a leader might not be tr- trusted if they're not clear about the vision. A manager might not be trusted if they're not clear about expectations. A salesperson might not be trusted even if they're clear about how cool they are, but not clear about how the benefits of that product to me so people aren't buying. The teacher might be a great character, but, but, but not clear about assignments so the kids go home frustrated. So clarity can, can, can affect every audience. But the, the key you're talking about mixes with the second pillar, which is compassion, and that is thinking about caring about them. We trust those that have intent. For, if I have care, com- compassion, number two, compassion, if I only care about myself, I, if that leader doesn't care about something beyond themselves, even if it's not me, I won't, I have a hard time being accountable to them or following them. So we, we, this is why these matter that they go together. So clarity is critical, but it also matters what's the target. And if the target isn't about them, compassion toward them, care for them, love of them, it turns out trust is not strong. I mean, we can be clear. Hitler was really clear about some things. Well, it's interesting. We talked about Lou Holtz, right? So 1986, first time I heard Lou Hull speak, and it was, can I trust you? Are you good at what you do? And do you care about me? Going right together. Absolutely. Which is clarity, compassion, and competency, right? And it's right in your work here. So I think the compassion piece is essential, and it is, I think it's a natural state. I think more and more our world is self-absorbed. You know, when we started doing the selfie and 
social media and self this and self promotion and self this, it's harder to have compassion. And organizationally, I don't think it's natural for human beings. I think we're naturally self-consumed. I think we come out of the womb that way. For me, it's a natural bent that I often struggle with because other people around me and people even reporting to me struggle with it. I try to get the people we coach to get focused on their customers' needs. So clarity, that's our messaging, our communication. Compassion, that's the, the heart of the matter. Character, this is a hard thing to define, I think, for people today. You know, I'm, I'm a guy that came up to the old school personal growth and development guys. They made me, right? The Zig Ziglers, the Jim Rohns, the Ogmandinos, greatest salesman in the world, the Brian Tracy's, the Earl Nightingale, our studio is named after Earl Nightingale. From 1950 through 1990, almost all personal growth and best-selling books in the personal growth space were character-based. And then around 2000, everything flipped and everything became technique-based. And so the last 20 to 30 years, everything's been technique, you know, the art of not giving a flying F, those kinds of things. And character is not discussed much anymore. It's a hard subject to get to. How do you go about it? It's obviously a key matrix in your research. Absolutely. How do you go about communicating the need for character and how a leader needs to develop in their character? There's a whole piece of research in our work that's very significant, by the way, that shows we don't trust people that don't have a moral character. So um, in my first book, I define it by mixing two things, and that is integrity with moral character. Because, um, you know, integrity, I actually had someone argue with me that Hitler had more integrity than Churchill because... Uh, which is true if you define integrity by being the same in thoughts, words, and actions. Like he was the same every day. He wouldn't even drink coffee. Went to the bed at the same time. Churchill's like carousing all night. But 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 because of a, a moral character, he he uh, saved the world from tyranny. Really, and so um, you have to mix a moral character with integrity, being the same in thoughts, words, and deeds to get what we're talking about. In, uh, in company, uh, you know, our stuff, the, the reason I think people say it works so much as far as our deeper content, not just the framework that's valid and vetted, and not just that trust is so critical, but we take research and we make it actionable and we make it actionable in two ways. And one is I want an individual to be able to use it because when one person gets better, the organization gets better. And then we do it organizationally. On the organizational side, we actually have them define what character looks like here. Because we, when people just say character, as you mentioned, they might mean different things. Well, is this character? Is that character? And so we want to make sure that definition is absolutely clear. What does high character look like here? Right. It is more challenging all the time, right? You know, one of the dynamics we've had, and of course, it, it's big business. The political scene dominates everything now, right? Just like we have ESPN and Fox Sports 1, you have 24-hour sports and many, many channels and many, many talking heads. Well, the exact same thing has happened in politics, and those politics often reflect leadership. And when you see the characters who have maybe some dubious character, and it seems like people are constantly having to make these decisions about a compromising around those decisions. And it seems to have created an overall malaise over the last 10 to 20 years that leadership and character don't seem to have to go hand in hand because people are willing to put up with it. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Will you really go to the wall for someone you don't trust or don't value their moral compass? There's a lot of reasons that that, that trust is tanked in the last uh, many years in America. Just as this is a little pull out to researcher, Dave, but it's it's worth thinking about is, um, it, you know, institutional trust it used to be, uh, you know, local tr- trust was local. Like I 
I, I trust you because I know you. I don't trust that person on the other hill, right? Or, or I trust you because I know you, or, or, or I don't trust you because I know you. <laughs> you right, know, but, yeah. but it's because of local. And then institutionalized. It was institutionalized. And then uh, starting at about uh, uh, right after Watergate, trust tanked in America in our government. Was 80% of Americans trusted government? Now it's about 7%. It's crazy. But, but now we're, we're institutionalized against it. I work with Congress. In fact, I dealt with some people this week from, from Congress that are trying to bring Republicans and Democrats together, and this is just in the U.S. Apologies to the, to the great global audience, but basically, um, there there's several reasons here where trust is. It, it, people used to meet together, Republicans mm-hmm. and Democrats. They would even in our country a hundred years ago, uh, they would you know senators would duke it out on the floor, and then the senate, the Republican and Democrat would ride the train together all the way back to California. So they never touch each other and meet together now. And you know, and to the, your point about news. Um, you know, it, that's that that tank too. After two, uh, after the the FCC uh, 1987 and uh, 1996, I believe, under both a Republican and a Democrat uh, 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 president. But basically, nowadays we don't have back. You remember, you and I remember when we had the news. Not anymore. You got your news. You got your news. You got your and there's no regulation. And I'm not big in regulation in many ways, but in this, because there's no regulation in in uh, media, uh, you don't have to tell the truth. So we can believe whatever we want. So you you lose trust in, in other you know all the other institutions have followed the institution of of faith that you know faith based institution has tanked significantly. Even though the same percentage of people believe in God in America, the education has tanked. When I grew up, homeschooling was weird. Now it's not because the education, we don't trust the institution. So there's things to learn from that, but there's things where we want to go here with the eight pillars is there's things we can do about it. And when you become most trusted, you gain the greatest market share. You speed up. There's only one way to speed up any sale. That's increased trust in the channel. I mean, you can, and I can do something about it. So that's good news. How can I demonstrate my character as a leader? Well, here's one way. There's, there's several I give in the book, but one one process that I apply often is something we call decision-making values. And that actually, that exercise is in the back of Trusted Leader, the newest book. Uh, but if anybody can't afford it, I'll send them, email them, you know, give them a video on it, whatever. Um, but basically, it's not values you have in life because many people, oh, my values are, you know, faith or family or friends. That's great. Those are priorities in life. But I'm talking about values you could make every single decision by. And so we, 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 we believe values, a word isn't as strong as a phrase. Like integrity, you better have that or you go to jail, right? But be, being the same on stage and off or doing others, unto others as you would have them do unto you, you make a value and then in one university where they were having a trouble with character, uh, they they had all the professors put their top five decision-making values on their door, and people, they started to be accountable to them. People started to say, well, that professor, see what they value? Well, at least we know. Um, so it, there's a process there called decision-making values that's very powerful. And uh, in the first book, uh, Trust Edge, I tell the story of a CEO that was transformed by that process and how people followed her. Well, we know that our audience can afford the book. They're entrepreneurs. They're trying to grow. And if trust is the most important thing in business, then sure as hell they can fork over the 25 bucks to get the book and, and go do what needs to be done here. The fourth pillar here is uh, competency, which is, again, are you good at what you do, Lou Holtz? It's the most obvious of the, a lot of them. What's your take on competency? 
Well, here's here's what your group gets that most many don't. But that is, we trust those that stay fresh and relevant and capable. If you're selling the way you were 10 years ago, I don't trust you. If you're leading the way you were just five years ago, I don't trust you. If you got a teacher at your school that's teaching the way they were 30 years ago, I don't trust you. You got to stay fresh, relevant, and capable. That's why it's so great to be a part of a coaching community like yours because we're getting better all the time. Because if we're not getting better, we're losing, right? It's It's like, I can trust, I might trust you to, you know, Take my kids to the ball game because you've got the character pillar. I may not trust you to give me a root canal, right? Because of competency on that, right? So your people, we gotta. St- this is why coaching matters. This is why learning matters. This is why reading matters. This is why staying fresh, relevant, capable. That's the the competency is being competent in our tech. You know, in our uh, excuse me, in our technical space, whatever we do. But it's also being competent in uh, people skills. And in the new ways of things. So there's a load we could talk about, but this is the bottom line. Input equals output. Well, we've learned so far the clarity. People distrust the ambiguous. We've learned from compassion. You better think from the other person's perspective. Character was uh, those decision-making values and competency stay fresh and relevant. On commitment. So commitment is great. Love the word. What does that mean to you? Well, commitment, what we just, what we basically learned in the research is people trust those that stay committed in the face of adversity. If I think you're going to jump in a second, I'm not going to trust you. If, you. if we go through a pandemic, we've got this tough thing, and you're not going to stay with me, I'm not going to trust you. you. You take anybody in your life or history, mom, dad, first grade teacher, Mandela, Martin Luther King, Gandhi, Jesus, or Joan of Arc, and you got somebody that was trusted by their people because they were committed to something beyond themselves, maybe to death. And you know, if I think my coach is going to be with me through this, if I think this person's going to be with, I trust them. If I think they're, and you know people that jump. They say things and they don't mean them and they don't weigh their commitments. I guess one quick important point under this, because there's a lot under this pillar, we could, our accountability framework comes under this pillar for, for healthy, healthy accountability and a host of other things. But one idea here is how do you rebuild trust? Well, we have a 10 step process. I mean, everybody out there's made a mistake, at least I, I assume. And so how do you rebuild it? Well, we have a 10-step process if you're a big company with an oil spill, but whether you're a big company or you're an individual, it comes down to one thing, and it's not what people often expect. You don't ever, 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 ever rebuild trust on the apology. I'm not saying don't apologize. That shows humility, which is critical. I'm not saying don't apologize. That opens people up, but that never rebuilds trust. I'm sorry I'm late. No, you're not. You're late every single time, right? So we we can't just say I'm sorry and think we rebuilt trust. There's one way to rebuild trust, and that is we have to make and keep a new commitment. That's the only way you'll ever rebuild it. It's just one idea under that commitment pillar. In the spiritual realm, it's the difference between repentance and remorse, right? Remorse, I'm sorry I got caught. Repentance, I'm not doing it anymore. Right. In our coaching program, you know, we're coming into this. The markets change radically. The rates are up. You know, we have a recession looming and whatever else. And our our phrase that we introduced to our client base this year is, we got you. We got you. You know, we've built the structures. You've known us for years. We're here, and uh, we got you. And it's just people need to know that somebody has their back. Number six is connection. Talk to me about that. A lot of, a lot of different viewpoints on the word connection. I'd love to get your take. So really, some of the words that came out of that, in fact, a couple, another C came out of that research funnel, and that's collaboration. We trust those that are willing to connect and collaborate with others. You got to always do it on your own. You got to always take the, the credit. If I go into big companies, and remember, you've got a lot of entrepreneurs and we work with those, but we work with a lot of massive companies, right? So, so we're, if I go into a big company and I see, a, there's counter forces to each of these pillars, but I've seen something called siloing, 
or an unwillingness to share resources uh, for the betterment of all. You can't believe it. Some companies incentivize siloing. They say, you got to use that budget whether you need it or not, or I won't give it to you next year. And they're just killing the connection collaboration pillar. So this willingness basically is this willingness to connect and collaborate. We tend to trust that type of human or organization. I live here in San Diego and uh, every October, the jets start flying over our houses around the clock because they got to burn up all the jet A fuel. Otherwise, their budget gets cut for the following year. So there's flying in circles 24 hours a day, burning up the gas. So I'm glad you're helping out all the military folks there. Number seven, you mentioned it earlier on. It's the one that people will you know, have to work a little bit, but I think it's very valuable and that's contribution. So give us your take on that. Yeah, the, the take on that that we need to get clear on is really that's the one where the C word isn't plain as day and it is results is the number one word that came out of that research funnel. So you've got to contribute results. It's uh, some of the key words out of that funnel were uh, results, outcomes, performance. Um, I need to get, you can't just have compassion, just have character and not deliver the results I expected or asked for. I mean, you think of, you're a great surgeon, you're a sweet surgeon, you're a compassionate surgeon, going for amputation, cut off the wrong leg. I don't trust you. You know, you got to give me the results I expected or asked for. So that's why all eight of these matter because I know people that just focus on results and they don't have compassion or character and they lose everything. I also know people that just kumbaya have compassion and don't get results and that doesn't work either. Yeah, it's interesting. So our mission statement for years was to impact and improve the lives of people. But our dynamic was all about we were helping people grow their business. Then I would see the ambiguity with our own clients, with our own staff. Oh, we're helping them with this aspect of their life and that aspect of their life. And I go, oh, that's great. But, you know, our deal is to help them grow their revenue. So we actually adjusted after a quarter of a century our mission statement to say impact and improve the lives and livelihoods of people. Go back to all the way to number one. So that was clear. It was compassionate. It was demonstrating of our character. Our competencies were already there, but it was emphasized. That was our commitment. It created a collaboration amongst the team. And all of a sudden, it's like, boom, these are our results. And our goal is, yeah, we want to impact your life, but we also want to impact your livelihood because we're a business coaching company, right? You know, we're not therapists. We're not, you know, here to just focus on that stuff. So I think the results are key and are very important. Last but not least here, the eighth pillar is consistency. And you know, it's funny. I think when most people think about trust, they probably start there. Talk about consistency. Well, I end with it, but still, we call it the queen and king. It is it is the final matter. There is nothing there. If you're not, if, any of those pillars, if you don't do it consistently, consistently, you won't be tried. I'm just compassionate to people that look like me. That's not really compassion. I'm only clear with this thing or that thing. I'm only character when the lights are on. So consistency is queen and king. It's It's like, it's that thing of, if you're late all the time, I'll absolutely trust you to be late, right? It's why I might trust, you don't have to like something to trust it. Like, I mean, I trust McDonald's. I've had the exact same burger on six continents. (laughs) You know, it's like it's sameness is trusted. So the only way to build a reputation is consistency. The only way to build a brand is consistency for good or bad. And so this is, it's the little things done consistently that make the biggest difference. Every interaction you have with every single person, you increase or decrease trust just a little bit. The way you talk to your kids this morning, the way you talk to that coaching client last week, the way you talk to that client, the way you deal with that, you, you know, consistency, it matters. And that the, to the extent that you're consistent, you will be trusted. I think it's great that you actually finish up with it because I've heard a lot of things on trust. We, we're about big trust selling. We're talking about working by referral which is all about generating referrals, which you got to have people's trust. Their character, competence has to be developed. But I think the clarity, compassion, character, competency, you make the mistake. You got your new commitment. 
You then build the connection and then those results have to be done over time, right? It can't be, I went into the restaurant and I had a great meal one time. I had great service one time. Right. And the next time was not. Okay, it was good for me, but I won't tell my friend. I won't be the referral. I won't give the endorsement. Right. That consistency has to build that confidence. It has to build that trust. And it's a cool thing. I just want to make something clear here now that we got them all lined out, because this is really important. I believe without ego, I I know I hate when consultants go in, it's always this or it's always that, but it is always trust. And when you solve these these eight, it's uh, if you fundamentally look at these eight, you solve the real issue. Because those listening today, people have told them, well, I got a leadership issue or engagement issue. It might, you know, you don't get engagement with engagement. You have to increase trust to increase engagement. Or people say to me, David, you love C words. Isn't it ever a communication issue? And of course, the truth is, I know what you mean. I was a communication undergrad, but the bottom line is you never, ever, 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 ever have a communication issue at the core. Communication's happening all the time. Clear, communication is trusted. Unclear isn't. Compassion is trusted. Hateful isn't. Honest is trusted. A high character is trusted, dishonest isn't. So if you get on the list, you actually get to the real issue and they work together. You can see that we, you might not have clarity uh, because you're not sharing it consistently. You might not have compa- uh, commitment because you're not showing compassion. So, um, you know, this is a brief overview, but I'm just, I'm so passionate about it because it's changed me and we've seen it change the world in some ways. First and foremost, people have to learn to trust themselves. Totally. And these eight steps work for an individual. The second thing, and I went through these eight steps, my first application of these eight steps in my own family and any little bangs and bruises that came along the way. Then you have the people you work with. And then the next thing is the people you serve. And so the good news is my father used to say, always leave the table a little hungry. I never want these podcasts to be fully exhaustive. I'm not a long form podcast guy because I think it depletes people's ability to learn and intake in the world we live in today. The book is called Trusted Leader. It's the eight pillars that drive results. It's written very well. It's very clear. There's a fictional character, the CEO, Ethan, and he finds himself in a whole series of predicaments that I believe the average person is going to read and go, oh, I can identify with that. All my favorite business books, E-Myth Revisited and so on and so forth, I can see myself in the main character. And you've done a really, really good job with that. The book is great. We finish up our podcast with some questions, kind of a little outside the box, just to get a little different flavor of who we are talking to here today. So, David, if I can for a sec, we're going to go through this rapid fire questions, just as a little insight for our audience. So number one, what's the single best piece of advice you've ever been given? Top of mind, little things done consistently make the biggest difference. Who's that? Who gave you that? Well, I say it all the time, but I suppose my dad's, you know, uh, growing up on the farm in northern Minnesota with nothing, um, that was one piece at least. Let me say this. Any farmer in northern Minnesota had a lot of principles (laughs) to live by, and it's good stuff. That's true. What one talent or gift do you wish you possessed that you currently don't? Well, I get invited to golf all the time, and I just always say no, even though I've done work for like TPC Sawgrass and the best golf courses in the world, and I say, you know, I'll ruin it. But I suppose just to be able to be with people, that would be fun. I'd love to learn some more some other languages. I'd love to I, – I worked on speed reading for a time. I'd love to do that to another level. Mm, that's good. I love it. What book has been most instrumental in your life? Well, for me, you know, there's been so many. I'm going to say uh, the Bible uh, at the core of everything 
for me and uh, what I believe. And of course, uh, God was talking about trust way before I was, uh, <laughs> both trusting him and being uh, Proverbs twelve twenty two. the Lord delights, uh, detests lying lips, but delights in the trustworthy. That's what we're trying to be is trustworthy. Um, so that's one. A new one, I guess, that's made some impact just recently, and I've had the whole company read it here, is Horst Schultz's uh, book, um, uh, uh, about winning, um, it just the way he talks about customer service and caring, what you said, caring for them, caring about your people, loving them. And, and he just says, and he, as many of you know, he's the, uh, I had him on my, on my podcast. I believe he's going to come speak at my next, uh, summit, but he's, um, he was the founder of Ritz Carlton Hotels and, uh, um, just, uh, amazing story. Yeah. And brilliant legacy. What movie do you watch over and over again? If it's on, you always stop and watch it. What would that be? I'll tell you this right now. My kids and everybody around me would say he doesn't. Okay. I almost never watch TV. Okay. Um, I do like some. Yeah. Uh, the Gladiators character is up sure. there, but I don't watch anything twice almost ever. And okay. um, I can't even think of one I've seen uh, twice. Okay. Well, Gladiator's a good one. If I was to say the good life, what does the good life mean to David Harsager? You know, the good life to me, is that you have, you are giving the best of yourself, you have purpose, and you have peace. That to me, putting peace and purpose, like people that kind of, you can kind of overbias peace and like, well, yeah, peace, I don't have any worries and I don't do anything valuable in the world. You can have purpose and run everybody over, but you put peace with purpose, that can be a beautiful life and uh, I hope for it every day. That's beautiful. That's a great way to finish. His name is David Harsager. His book is Trusted Leader, Eight Pillars That Drive Results. We've had a great time with you today. Thanks for your gift. Thanks for helping us all understand the power of trust and become a little more trustworthy and lead our team in a more trustful way. Thanks so much for joining us today. I really enjoyed it. Brian, thank you so much. And thanks to your team over there. They're all great. You bet. I'm going to throw it over to someone I trust very much, our very own David Lally. What an insightful chat. Great to have you on the show, David. Maybe we'll see you at one of our live events down the road. I wanted to give our listeners a shout out today. So many of you leave great reviews to read through. DJ Adkins said, I discovered Brian and instantly became an avid listener and student. His podcasts are entertaining and educational, and I just can't stop learning more about myself and the life of a sales slash real estate man. Thank you, Brian and company. You've taught me to be a better version of me. Really appreciate the kind words, DJ. Keep the reviews coming, everyone, and we'll see you next time. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields, and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.